I've always really had a passion and excitement and enthusiasm for nitpicking at enterprise scale, as I call it. I like taking a piece of code and being able to tell as much information about it as soon as possible. I don't like having to wait until I've hit some 14 mysterious commands to get this onto a production website before I can really debug it. So getting that live feedback and telling me, oh, you caused a bug here because you created a promise and never awaited it or whatever, that to me is a beautiful thing. Hey, this is Brian, and you're listening to Jamstack Radio, a bi-weekly series where we discuss modern web development with maintainers, founders, and developers. Jamstack Radio is brought to you by Heavybit, the leading investor and developer-first startups. For more information, visit heavybit.com. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, or if you'd like to suggest a topic, find us on Twitter, at Jamstack Radio. Welcome to another installment of Jamstack Radio. On the line, we got Josh Goldberg of TypeScript fame. Josh, hello. Hey, what's up? How's it going? Uh, it is a pleasure. You know, I've got a full cup of coffee here in my uh, Someone Loves You in Oakland mug. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, Basically, we decluttered our mug situation because that's like the one thing that sort of gets out of hand in our cupboards. Oh, no. Um, but this one made it. Uh, but speaking of made it, you made it on the podcast. Um, it was like a, a, a ping and then a follow-up with a DM to say, hey, you should come talk about TypeScript here on Jamstack Radio. So uh, why don't you introduce yourself, tell us who you are, what you do, and how you got here. Sure, I'll start with two things. First, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Second, we are about to move, but otherwise would be going through a mug cleanup. We no longer can fit all of our mugs into the dedicated mug cabinet slide. It's really annoying. I don't want to get rid of any of them. I feel your pain. But hey, everyone, I'm Josh, Josh Goldberg. I'm a full-time open source developer, meaning I work on open source software instead of having a job, which is fun. Uh, <laughs> I used to have jobs. I worked at Codecademy and previous to that, Microsoft. But nowadays, I tend to do a lot of work on TypeScript ESLint, which is the tooling that lets you run ESLint on TypeScript and a few other open source projects. Uh, in general, I also stream on Twitch, talk at conferences, and I recently wrote a book, Learning TypeScript. If that's a thing you want to do and you like reading books, then I would recommend mine. It's good for that. Am I missing anything? I don't know. I'm learning a lot about you just now. I didn't even know you were full-time <laughs> open source either. Um, yeah. So you're, what projects are you working on? So TypeScript ESLint is the big one. Uh, that's where more than half of my GitHub sponsorship money comes from, technically, Open Collective. Excellent. I also have this side project called TypeStat, name probably to be changed, that converts JavaScript to TypeScript and then can also improve your TypeScript types. So it'll take your JS file, rename it to TS or TSX, and fix up the types for you, which is... Wow, it's nice. It sounds great. It's a literally unsolvable problem, so it's kind of an approximation tool, but it's really exciting. Yeah, does it kind of like it just pushes you in the right direction? You still got to do some cleanup after the fact. Yeah, for sure. There's no code base that's sensibly written out in beautifully predictable types. Everything has some weirdness to it. All right. Well, yeah. I look forward to proving you wrong one day. <laughs> Not today. None of my code is in that place. Eventually, we all aspire to be there by the time we retire. You know, <laughs> one of these days. Yes, exactly. But yeah, I mean, those are the two main ones. And then I have like random other side projects. I have this library that hooks up the Konami code in your browser to little fireworks of emojis exploding on the page. And I'm trying to get sites to use as an Easter egg. But those are the main ones. Cool. Yeah. So I, I wanted to, uh, we'll, we'll circle back on the open source thing. But I wanted to actually just, uh, could we set the stage and like just say what is TypeScript? Absolutely. TypeScript is a superset of JavaScript which means it is the JavaScript language. You can write JavaScript code, and it counts as TypeScript. But it also adds type annotations, which are ways for you in your source code to describe what things are supposed to be. For example, you might describe that a function takes in a single parameter whose type is string. 
if you ever use JS doc, little slash star star comments on top of things to declare what they do and their types, it's like just the types portion of that. And because it lets you declare types, it then enables a whole bunch of awesome features like really good editor tooling that lets you go to definition, find all references, do refactors, stuff like that. Excellent, yeah. How long, how long have you been in the TypeScript space? I think... Because I was going to do a little bit of storytelling, but I'm curious, like, what, where did you inject yourself in the story? <laughs> I started, I think, in maybe 2014 or so. Okay. Maybe 2015. Wow, I didn't even know it was... It was around that that. So like 2015 is like around when I started like toying around with it. I think about 2013 is when I sorry 2014 is when we I actually rewrote the app the the, the company I was working at at the time rewrote from CoffeeScript to JavaScript. Whoa. So this sort of ES6 at the time, and uh, I didn't actually know JavaScript very well until that experience. So you'd mentioned like your your um, JavaScript to TypeScript converter. Like I use a tool very similar where it was CoffeeScript to JavaScript. And I still had to do a lot of cleanup, but it was like got me like pushed in the right direction to kind of understand. Okay, this is what prototypes are in JavaScript and etc. Uh, I think at that time ES6 forced us in the classes for a hot minute. Uh, but what I'm getting at is like I learned JavaScript pretty well in 2014. Uh, TypeScript, I think I didn't actually start really touching until like 2015. I didn't even know it was even around prior to that because I remember doing React Flow was like the thing that everyone was like kind of pushing towards. Uh, I honestly don't know if Flow is still around, but it was basically adding types to your React components and like enforcing things like props. There were some like native features inside of of React that did some of this, but I guess what I'm getting at is like there was like a point where everyone was kind of like trying new things out. Now that we had like this sort of next level JavaScript and seemed like we were sort of slingshotting past that in the TypeScript, where I was just kind of like. I, I wrote some Go. I, I wrote a little bit of Rust. I, I messed around with types in Objective C when I was doing mobile apps, and like I knew enough that I, I just didn't want to do that again. Like I didn't know the value of why you would have types versus I want dynamic JavaScript. Let me just put whatever I want as an argument, and then we'll move on. And now, fast forward to like at this point, four oof, man, math six years later, seven years later. Now I I, I totally get it. Like I I got it for libraries of being able to like when you export stuff. Like doing this sort of integration with VS Code, you can identify, okay, this is what the API is going to give you. These, this should be a string, whatever. But now I get it even more where I just know my site's going to run. Yeah. <laughs> like if, I, if I deploy it, I know it's going to run consistently and there's not a weird undefined issue somewhere, which has plagued my React code for, for years. Oh, same. Yeah. I mean, TypeScript's gotten a lot more powerful over the years. Fun fact, it actually was first made available publicly in 2012. Okay, There's so many features of TypeScript now that seem incredibly important and essential that you wouldn't be able to use TypeScript effectively without, but a lot of them came out in the last few years. And I also kind of miss the time when everything was in flux. Is it going to be Flow or TypeScript (laughs) or whatever? Like Flow's still around. Most open source projects don't use it. Facebook's meta still uses it, I guess. Uh, it's apparently an excellent language. One of the other TypeScript ESLint maintainers actually is at Meta and I believe either works on or heavily with Flow and is like in love with the language for many good reasons that I don't know. But yeah, TypeScript has gotten really good and I'm excited that it's kind of become the standard for enterprise apps the last few years. That's interesting to hear too as well because like, I love the fact that it's still alive and well because like I'm also a GraphQL user and I know Relay is an excellent tool. Like Relay is... Advanced by so much, like further than so many other tools to consume GraphQL. 
but it's an open source project and it's mostly used only by Facebook at this point or the the, the Facebook team inside of Meta. And yeah, it, it's like one of those things like we, maybe we, it was just too soon for us because uh, I was a huge Relay fan. And same thing with, um, with Flow. Like we actually started using Flow when I was early days at Netlify as like a test. It became more of an annoying, annoyance for us. So we ended up ripping it out. But like we tested it in a few different places, tested TypeScript and made the ultimate decision like, Let's not move forward at that time with something because it's just getting it's it's um and I don't know if you we were recording at this point, but it's like the difference between starting with TypeScript versus like bolting it on after the fact in a legacy app is a completely different experience. So absolutely, uh, I was curious if you could you further comment on that. Yeah, <laughs> I think that was before we were recording. Yeah, TypeScript is very different as an experience. I think the two. Kind of polar opposites I see people go through is their first TypeScript experience when they have a large app which was not designed to be type safe when it has what I would consider to be architectural defects. Type safety is not a thing unique to TypeScript. It's not like you convert to TypeScript and now you care about the types of your code. TypeScript is just exposing the value types, the things that were already there in your code base. So if it's hard to type your code in TypeScript these days, it might be that your code is just weird and wacky and hard to conceptualize. So you start off with a code base that is older, pre-TypeScript, and you yourself don't know a lot about TypeScript, that is just a heck of an experience. Yeah. In positive and negative ways, right? Like it's a good learning experience. But then the other side is you know TypeScript now and you either start from scratch or join a project that is made for TypeScript with type safety in mind with modern principles. And it's just a pleasure. It's a real breeze, right? Like you've you've been doing TypeScript recently, and I'm guessing has your experience gotten more positive as you've gained familiarity in code bases? Oh yeah. Once I stop avoiding it, so like my my introduction to TypeScript as of recent, um, so a couple years ago, GitHub had a bunch of like third party libraries like Probot, very TypeScript heavy. A lot of the earlier GitHub actions examples were all TypeScript heavy. Uh, so like I knew it from like if somebody already set it up, I'm like okay, I'll just make make it work. It actually it, it's a good sort of Rails, I don't know if Rails is a good term, but basically guardrails to like add new code or adjust code or leverage to the library. But as of recent, open source had a rewrite um, to go f- directly. Like it's one of those things where it was like a it was a meme uh, where people would like, try to uh, they would open an issue and be like, this project doesn't have TypeScript. Issue convert project to TypeScript. <laughs> it's like okay, cool. Oh boy. Um, if you want to do that, feel free. Create another branch, but try to keep up while we're still pr- like shipping more features. So it was always like one of those things that like it was not obtainable to convert legacy projects to TypeScript without halting production altogether. Um, but we did it. We did an open source because we had a product that was kind of like feature complete. It was like a, a web app that was getting contribution, but it got like a slowdown. One of my contributors was like, "Hey, I converted everything to TypeScript. I'm like, cool. Let's get it merged. Let's try it out." And, and it was nice. It was actually it was really nice to interact with. We converted another project to TypeScript, and I sort of started learning TypeScript based on those two projects as I was contributing. Is like I kept doing everything wrong, and then just this week, um, I realized that we had like this like singular index.d.ts file that had all of our interfaces and, and types in there. And I was like, oh, that makes so much more sense. Like we could just import from here, and then we could pass this around. To even like new projects, and then everything that's clicked, and I was like, "Oh, this is extremely valuable because like we're building the same stuff over and over again in multiple projects. We could just like have this file walk around with us and like share this thing." That's beautiful. 
Out of curiosity, one of the features that TypeScript has gotten much better at over the last few years is incremental conversions. They support allow.js, which allows you to include JS, even check JS. Did you experiment at all with partial conversions, one file at a time type stuff? We did. For the first project, we did do some partial, like I was basically introducing more JavaScript after the TypeScript was already around. And the sort of agreement what we had was like this one contributor who, Ted, I'm shout out to Ted, uh, he was actually just converting stuff for me on the fly. So I opened the PR, he's like, okay, here's types. And I was like, okay, cool, thanks so much, appreciate that. So I don't think we're using any of those tools like Allow.js or anything like that, but that's good to know. Yeah, I, I go back and forth in my mind on them because they do allow you to incrementally adopt, but then it's hard to get it right. You have to know kind of the standard order to do things. Like you shouldn't convert to TypeScript your core most important file and then have it depend on JavaScript files that your types get all messed up. It's a whole thing. But like when done right, it's it's very pleasant. I, I did a conversion recently where I basically started up the leaf nodes, like the React components that were like the buttons and lower level things, and then worked towards the pages and this next JS app. And it was it's so incredibly satisfying getting that GitHub JavaScript number down to whatever zero or zero point one percent. It's just a really good feeling. Do you find that it's a is it common for folks to even like approach converting TypeScript or projects from JS to, to TypeScript nowadays? Like are people seeing the value? I think so. I think the TypeScript evangelism has won pretty heavily. TypeScript, like every technology, goes through a, a hype cycle where people get really excited at first and then they all hate it because they try it out and have found the flaws and then it plateaus uh, the reasonable level. And I think we've hit the reasonable level of hype for TypeScript. I think the term is Gartner hype cycle. I've been using it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, TypeScript is really good once you have more than a few files and it's kind of annoying at, if you don't know it well and or you only have one or two files. Yeah. So people, I think, have stopped getting annoyed at it for not being a great experience on their tiny little note apps, but enough of us have fixed and or found bugs at scale by converting to TypeScript that we've realized, like you said, this this is the way now, this is the right thing. Yeah, yeah, and the one that, the most recent one is, um, and, and it's almost comical, because I was just doing work just last weekend, where I was uh, importing data from the API. The API is giving me proper data, but then I was basically, there's like that thing in React where you're importing data, it's not a React, it's a JavaScript thing, but I'm importing data uh, and it starts at undefined first, and then it it fetches the data. So like I'm not doing an async stuff. Uh, I should be, and that was the fix. But there's like that moment where the data I'm trying to get from the API is undefined. So what do I do with that? Well, I should probably, instead of checking a type for undefined, uh, which is probably a code smell, uh, we actually have a is loading type, which is a Boolean. So if the Boolean for is loading is true or false, that works. And then if it's true, we don't even like even attempt to fetch the data uh, or put the data on the page. So like now we just like we've circumvented the undefined, but I wasn't pushing this direction until my types were like, hey, guess what? There's a possibility this is undefined. What are you gonna do about it? It's like this sort of prodding me and telling me to do something better. I love it. That's the the startup aha moment that everyone's going for. <laughs> And actually, tying back to the history of TypeScript, I think people have gotten much better at understanding how to market TypeScript, in large part because we understand much better what it's really good for. When TypeScript first came out, transpilers like Babel were not very popular. SWC was years and years away. I don't even know if Rust was stable at that point yeah. back in 2012. So TypeScript was advertised both as having types, which at the time like were pretty useful, but not nearly as useful, good as they are today. And that also you could use classes and other new JavaScript features. Like, wow, classes, what a great thing. 
And then a lot of people started resenting TypeScript. Oh, are we just a bunch of Java programmers now with classes? But now we advertise TypeScript as, oh, it'll find you bugs, it'll help you develop. These really key, useful things that if TypeScript were a startup, these would be the, the bullet points just above the call to action on the homepage. Yeah, I was just having a conversation with um, Theo, who's, who's running a ping.gg. Uh, he's a big TypeScript fan, um, a big TRPC fan. And he, um, he had mentioned in passing, he's like, if you have TypeScript, you don't need unit test. And I'm I'm actually testing that theory right now in my project uh, as I'm going through my unit tests and what I'm actually testing uh, that also backs up with types. Uh, I'm on the fence on it at the moment, but I do feel a lot more confidence even when I don't have tests because I have types. Yeah, Theo is a is a fantastic individual with with great opinions. This is one of the opinions where I I see its value on certain types of projects like. Especially if it's a type of project you can easily end to end or integration test, but I don't agree with it as a blanket statement. And I, I think it's, I don't want to say harmful. I think that's more accusatory that I'm trying to come across here that we are. Yeah. But I think the marketing can confuse people when you say TypeScript replaces the need for unit tests because a lot of people, especially new folks in tech, they just take what they're seeing online as an opinion and go with it. And TypeScript can't always replace. Most of the time, I don't think it can replace like logic, like well written logical unit tests. Yeah, sometimes maybe, but I don't want people to think that TypeScript is a replacement for it. In my experience, it works best as like a trim down where you don't have to unit test dumb stuff. What if we pass undefined? What if we pass null to this thing? But it really just verifies your types. It doesn't check for application correctness. Yeah, yeah. There's probably uh, a lot of my my libraries, and this is actually where I got my sort of teeth cut on TypeScript. Is like I have these like lib folders. So like the it's like the utils, the function folder that you pass around. So like. Uh, in the context of open source, like we show GitHub stars, and GitHub t- stars can be in the tens of thousands, it could be hundred thousands, or it could be like one, two, three. Uh, we have this this one function that basically takes the number and humanizes it. So, taking ten thousand stars and make it ten k instead, or basically add the k to the end of the thousand mark. Uh, it's just like a, a practice I learned and uh, displaying data on the page. I haven't put it on npm because I just basically copy and paste it everywhere. I should probably share it. As a, a cool little tool for anybody, but there's other solutions other people can use. But what I'm getting at is like I ended up adding types to that, and then I wrote tests for that. And then I think for your to your point, like I don't need to test for undefined, or I don't need to test to see if this thing's a string. Like if it's a string or it's a number, I already can coerce it into what I need it to be, so that I can stop testing that. But then I can test like what happens if it's a million? What happens if we get a, a bazillion stars? Like what does that look like? Uh, so I can test those like. Bigger edge cases like functionality, as opposed to, and that's that's the unit testing I expect to do uh, when I sort of walk through my sort of. I don't do TDD all the time, but for small things like this, I'll start with a test and then try to get it to work. And you know, it's some of the like, TDD is like an old habit that I pull out every now and then when I want to feel cool on live streams. <laughs> oh, you've live streamed TDD? That's intense. Uh, it, it's been a while, but yeah, every now and then, if I'm, I'm feeling dangerous, we'll start with a test. I love it. Yeah, I, I think it's unfortunate that types and tests both begin with the letter T because I have been playing around with the idea of types-driven development where you write the types first and then the code to satisfy it. It's, it's not unique to me. Other people have mentioned this. And I think both are pretty awesome ways of doing things if you can both remember and force yourself to do them right. That's, a, that's such a great example of a unit test, by the way. Plus one to you. That's something where like both TypeScript helps you not have to satisfy or like test for silly edge cases, but it's also something that like 
that's an application correctness concern. Like, what do you do at 12 million or whatnot? Yeah, yeah. And it's the, um, I guess it's funny because I haven't done full time coding for a long time. I just recently got back in the writing code full time uh, over the summer. And yeah, it's just one of those practices as a junior engineer years ago. Like, I kept writing dumb stuff and I kept getting pushback on how useful, uh, how not useful this stuff is uh, because it just becomes like a code smell or whatever. But yeah, I guess this is again old habits. Uh, but the one thing I'd actually mention, we, we kind of covered like how sort of TypeScript kind of embedded itself in the JavaScript community. Uh, I'm curious, like, is there is there like no turning back at this point, or like, should everyone invest or their sort of learning into your book and just sort of <laughs> take the plunge in the TypeScript? Well, obviously, yes, everyone should buy my book and also rate it five stars on Amazon. You would not believe how helpful that is. Like, actually, surprisingly helpful for us okay, independent yeah, yeah. publisher people. Just kidding, it's through O'Reilly. Um, I don't know. I think short term, 100%, yes, absolutely. Medium term, like 90, 95%. TypeScript is here to stay. Same with JavaScript. And there's no reasonable good competitor to TypeScript out now, nor do I know of one in the making. There are other languages like Reason and is it Rescript now? Or was I forget? And Elm that are like supposed to be fantastic, but they don't have a lot of adoption because they don't interrupt super well with your existing application. So I don't see TypeScript going anywhere. Long term, like years and years and years from now, when Wasm can directly manipulate DOM and all these other wacky things have happened, then maybe not. But like all I see on job boards are enterprise TypeScript, new startup TypeScript. Mid-scale business TypeScript, like everyone is using TypeScript, uh, and those who aren't are oftentimes trying to use TypeScript. So, yeah, I'd say go for it. You don't need to know it. Like there are a bajillion things you can learn in tech and within that in web, but <laughs> yeah. no, it's a it's top of the pile. Like I've been wanting to learn TRPC. I I just keep for not having the time to do more than the Hello World. Like that looks fantastic too. Yeah, that's the thing. I don't know how long it's been around. It's like one of those technologies that I'm I still waiting for. Like to sort of um, infancy to sort of die off a bit um, because I've definitely adopted like GraphQL being one of them. Like I've adopted a couple different tools early on in its infancy, and then get burned on just trying to keep up while I'm also trying to do some other stuff. So TRPC is something on my list of things to implement in my new projects moving forward. Um, but I don't have any new projects yet. I'm still trying to get this this current one shipped. For sure. By the way, good luck on that. I, uh, I'm very excited about open source. Signed up. There's also a really interesting parallel between how I, it's weird calling GraphQL old. I remember a time ago when it wasn't old, but like slightly older approaches like GraphQL to slightly newer ones like TRPC. TRPC almost assumes that you're using TypeScript the way it's set up. Like it, I, maybe you can use it with vanilla JS, but it's so much better with TS. And that's an assumption that would have not flown at all like five years ago. Like people would have confused it or like thought of it as a niche library. But now, because so many people are using it in the way it's meant to be used with TypeScript with a fully typed application, it's so much more powerful and amazing. And you can get all these great features from its dev experience. It's really cool. It's where the industry is going, I think. Yeah, yeah. And I honestly, I wanted to take us just a step aside from just the JavaScript community a whole uh, and talk about that. So you mentioned uh, Babel, and then you mentioned SWC. Like we've now evolved into like a new compiler. Uh, we also have new runtimes. Uh, we also have TypeScript. Uh, I'm curious, like, where do you see the future of JavaScript heading towards? Oh, I'm so excited about this. For context, my answers on these types of questions are never going to be as good as Swix's. So, Third Age of JavaScript, shout out that that talk series. 
But here's my medium-term prediction, and then I'll give you my long-term. Medium, I think we're going to continue to see waves of improvements alternating between primitives, like TypeScript, JavaScript itself, CSS, and then the things that build those primitives for you, like Next.js, Remix, Astro. As we keep getting better primitives, we learn new ways of doing things best, and then frameworks can use those new ways of doing things best to make the experience better for you. Like a lot of people like to complain about JavaScript tooling now. Oh, in the olden days, it was simpler. First of all, look at a common jQuery application from 2010 and you will vomit compared to today's code and your least favorite framework. Second of all, things today are so nice compared to how they used to be for tooling. Like you can just start up a, a new remix or next project in like, what, 30 seconds, whatever the yarn <laughs> install time is. Yeah. Beautiful. So my, my prediction is we'll keep going higher in the stack, like higher, better abstractions that make you take less time in code to do the common things. So medium term. Long term, I think once Wasm is able to directly target DOM, meaning you can write a Rust thing and not have weird performance overhead of having to go through JavaScript to talk to the DOM, people are going to start writing applications more and more. We actually have already seen this with Blazor, which... I guess it's like a Microsoft thing, but I've started to see companies use it. Yeah, I think it's C-sharp based. Yeah, I mean, C-sharp is a lovely language. I, I miss working in it sometimes. Yeah, so I think long term, we're going to, for better or for worse, kind of lose the standardization on the web or slowly chip away that standardization. My hope is that we will replace it with a language that's like JavaScript, but doesn't have all the dumb things like two null values. That would be nice. Uh, but I don't know. It's going to be a, a wild west and impossible, I think, to predict what happens once that gets mainstream. What about you? I have a curiosity. Yeah, I agree with you. Like, there's like this uh, the idea of primitives in the JavaScript ecosystem. So, like, obviously JavaScript being one of them. But if you want to go down to like runtime primitives, I think that we're going to have a lot more flexibility. And the thing that I'm excited about is the runtimes, like all these sort of edge functions and these edge runtimes. Uh, like Deno and now Bun is up and coming as well. Um, still not production ready, but like it's it will get there. That kind of opens up the sort of game because like what I do is I I've been doing a lot of live streaming as, as I mentioned. So I one of the things about live streaming is the first thing you do is you build a chat app. Like you live stream that because like it's like getting your lightsaber as a Jedi. Uh, <laughs> you got to build a chat app and then live stream that. But what I've learned is OBS. It also runs like a, another offshoot of V8. And like it gives you some limits of of like what you could do in JavaScript if you want to write like a, a simple interaction with it. If you bring in one of these sort of edge runtimes, so like think about streaming on the edge uh, with all these like services and the cool tools that are coming out. Now you could do like really interesting things. Like imagine like this like shipping like a quick Netlify function to update your your overlay that's just JavaScript and CSS, or it could be Eleventy or whatever it is, uh, but also interacts. Through your edge functions to then like trigger back and forth, like someone said something in chat. That's what I want to see. I don't think anybody's paying attention to like live streaming services and OBS, but I think once these like Deno becomes like ready for prime time, Bun gets ready for prime time, or even Wasm gets ready for something like that interaction, now I can do like this regular, you know, hello world JavaScript enough to make cool interactions on a live stream. Wait, I actually love this. I've been getting into OBS. I only relatively recently started understanding anything with streaming, and that's such a cool idea. I had no idea it had a V8 shenanigan in there. So that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's yeah, it's running JavaScript. It's it's got a server. And once you look into it in in the hood, I mean, it's I think written in C plus plus to be quite honest. So like, it's got some other bells and whistles that you can work around. But 
I know folks who have who built stuff on top of like plugins and stuff like that in OBS. Like I've got enough people I can ask questions to. I just don't know all that low level stuff. So like if I have an extraction that I can be confirmed my JavaScript will run or whatever code I write will run, that opens up the game for like any just like what the web did, or even like things like Next did to the React ecosystem, or like what jQuery did to like front like the front end. It's basically giving you an abstraction that you could interact with without needing to know exactly what's happening in the Chrome tab. And I think that future is what I look forward to. Like you can go through a boot camp and start shipping production code for for Twitch or for Facebook or whatever. Yeah. I mean, so many companies for years and years, one of their biggest dev problems, which I'm sure you as a dev advocate person have seen a lot of is, well, you know, once you finish your three-week intensive training to learn how to ship code to internal QA and then the other two weeks for production, then you're ready to go. Like that, that's the length of an internship for some people. But now, like with you know, code spaces and Next.js and all these other fancy innovations, yeah, plus one. This it's really exciting. Velocity. Yeah, yeah, absolutely amazing and exciting, and uh, we're almost like approaching time. So, like, I could probably talk forever uh, about this subject, uh, but I did want to talk, go back into your just a uh, really quick conversation about your open source work uh, and how you got to open source full time. Like, how did you basically make the plunge to say, you know what, <laughs> this ESLint TypeScript stuff, this is what I want to do with my free time. Uh, we're going to figure out how to pay the bills. <laughs> First of all, shout out to my spouse uh, Mariah who. I, I'm picking off of for health insurance. Without her health insurance, I would probably not be doing this. But I've always really had a passion and excitement and enthusiasm for nitpicking at enterprise scale, as I call it. Uh, I like taking a, a piece of code and being able to tell as much information about it as soon as possible. I don't like having to wait until I've hit some 14 mysterious commands to get this onto a production website before I can really debug it. So getting that live feedback and telling me, oh, you caused a bug here because you created a promise and never awaited it or whatever, that to me is a beautiful thing. And we were talking about primitives. Every low-level thing helps improve the higher stuff above it. So the further down you go in the primitive layers, if you're talking about TypeScript rather than, say, React or Next.js above that, then you can really make a large impact with every change you make. So between really enjoying the work and feeling very positive about the scale of impact, I just loved it. So I started with TSLint, which for those who don't remember, is a linter that was like ESLint for TypeScript. It was TypeScript native. It had a couple problems with it. One, it was made by Palantir, which is a company that a lot of people don't feel comfortable taking code from. Uh, so even though it was open source and I was never employed or paid by Palantir, that was still a thing. Uh, the second is that TSLint is not the same as ESLint. Uh, so anytime anyone wrote anything for one, we'd then have to port it to the other, and ESLint was way more popular, so it was just not as good on TSLint. So after TSLint got deprecated and TypeScript ESLint became the standard tooling, that's kind of after a while where I started helping out with maintenance. Um, I also do a lot of random other things like contributing to TypeScript itself, which is actually really fun and I'd highly recommend. So I just kind of did more and more over time until eventually I realized I don't really want a full-time job. I, I miss parts of it, like having coworkers and mentors and mentees, but you know, open source just makes me happy. I feel like I'm doing good work. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. Looking, looking forward to chatting more about your open source journey. Uh, and I'll, I'll definitely give you a sneak peek of the, the open source platform that we'll be shipping 
in a few weeks. So folks, definitely uh, follow me on Twitter, follow Open Sauce on Twitter if you want more details on that. Uh, but with that, I wanted to transition to picks. So these are jam picks, things that we're jamming on. Could be music, could be food related, all of the above. And if you don't mind, I'll go first. I've got a couple picks. Uh, one thing that I wanted to mention is the OSRG, Open Source Raid Guild. Uh, this is a community and a community of like only a handful of folks, like maybe 20 folks in a Discord. And what they do, what they have fun with is they've actually been converting JavaScript projects to TypeScript uh, for nonprofits. And so, so there's a lot of nonprofit sites that were built in whatever web framework of choice. And they recently converted um, the urad.org, which is a, um, sorry, I, I'm not going to pitch the, the actual nonprofit well, but basically they provide mental health services for uh, streamers and, and gamers and, and uh, esports folks. And yeah, it was built in Next.js. They wanted to update uh, to be able to provide extra features on their site. Uh, the Open Source Raid Guild actually got together and converted the entire project to TypeScript um, as a group of 20 people just attacking the problem all at once. Uh, pretty cool. Check it out. Uh, the other pick I want to mention is I actually just got a new car, and it's the Tesla Model Y. I waited 10 months for this thing. It was like more of like a spur of the moment. It's like, I know I'm going to get a new car. I know I don't want a gas car. What are the options? Uh, let me just go ahead and put a pre-order on a Tesla Model Y because I watched a YouTube video. Lo and behold, 10 months later, it's like, hey, your car's ready. Uh, I completely like, gave up hope on this thing because of all the shortages. I actually, I really like the, the car. Actually, Josh, have you, have you been inside of a Tesla? I don't think I have, actually, in my life, no. Okay, yeah. For whatever reason, like Ubers and uh, Lyfts, they're all Teslas now, I think because of gas prices. Uh, so I, I got to ride in a, quite a few Ubers and Lyfts, like locally. Yeah, I, I, I'm a big fan. Like I've got a lot of friends who have Teslas. The price point's like a slightly high. It's a lot higher than when I pre-ordered a year ago. Um, so you know, definitely pay attention to the price. But yeah, I ended up getting the the blue Model Y, sort of long range model. The inside is like almost as if you were like driving inside of an iPhone. Basically, if I if I explain that correctly, it's like super limited situation. No bells and whistles, except a giant iPad like screen in the middle. That does everything for you. The thing that's concerning is like, the, I guess like my review is every every now and then if it's too cold outside at night, uh, the screen sometimes freezes. Uh, so I have to like hold the two buttons on the steering wheel to refresh it. And I've probably done that like ten times since I got the thing two months ago. So that's a little interesting. But luckily, I know how to use an iPhone <laughs> and I know how to refresh uh, devices. That's scary. Do you worry about that happening uh, at yeah, an opportune I mean, the moment? The car still works. Yeah, the car still. It usually happens when I first start it. So, like, if it's frozen, I'll just refresh it before I hit the road. Uh, it's never frozen mid drive or anything like that. But the only thing that I think shuts down is like your turn signal. Yeah, this is probably I don't know. Maybe I'm just exposing the stuff for the uh, <laughs> whatever the safety regulations. But like turn signal and stuff like that doesn't work when it's refreshing the screen. Everything else works. Like you can still drive the car, no problem. You just don't have like your speedometer. You can't see your speedometer and you can't use a turn signal. That that only makes me feel a little better. <laughs> but I'm glad it's not quite as bad. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't have the full self-driving. I just I don't agree with that. <laughs> so that's a scary thing. Everything else is pretty cool. Can I shout out your your first pick, the open source radio? I had no idea these folks exist. First of all, because Podcast or audio only. I want to verbally describe their logo. It's an angry, I believe, koala on top of a shield with two swords. This is a beautiful thing. 
Second of all, converting JavaScript to TypeScript has been one of my sub-passions within open source. I wrote a tool to do it somewhat okay. I'm joining these people. Thank you very much for this introduction. Excellent. Yeah, uh, Jacob, who uh, who runs the uh, this organization, this little group, he he's a gamer himself. He likes esports and stuff like that. So he set it up in a way that um, just like rating, if you were to like, play StarCraft or whatnot, or World of Warcraft, I don't know, League of Legends, I don't know, all the games that are out there, you usually have a group that you get together and you all attack a problem or attack a boss at the same time. And TypeScript has been their recent boss, eh, which is. I love the concept so much that I'm looking forward to partnering with them with open source in the future. That's awesome. I like the description of TypeScript as boss also. That's a <laughs> nice little bonus. Yes. Excellent. Uh, you have any picks for us? I do. Uh, I have a couple of picks. One, uh, Docusaurus, which is a lovely, I don't even know how to describe it. It technically, I think, calls itself a docs site generator. Uh, akin to like Next.js or Remix, but for static sites, so maybe closer to Gatsby. But it's also just really good for static sites in general. Uh, LearningTypeScript.com, shout out, buy it, and great five stars, is built on Docusaurus. Uh, TypeScriptBSLint.io is built on Docusaurus. They just had a 2.0. It's fantastic. They do so much stuff for you. It somehow at the same time is also super configurable. So it feels seamless when you were just getting something spun up quickly, where you just want to write a few markdown files and have a really good looking doc site. But then also, if you want to like auto generate those files or have tables of whatever based off of them, it's also doable. So shout out, they congrats had a 2.0 release recently. Nice, yeah. We're using a Docker source for docs.opensauce.pizza uh, as well. Oh, nice, wonderful service. I've I've I, I knew the original team that put that together inside of Meta and. Uh, Happy that this thing is still going along. Also, a wonderful URL. Oh, there it is. You can kind of sort of tell now, like when a site is DocuSource. Uh, I think, <laughs> I think it's good. Like it's nice to standardize, and they're also super accessible by default, which is hard to find in you know smaller, less maintained projects. So it's really nice to have like a solid, really good doc site on the web. Yeah, we we actually have a GitHub action because DocuSource is like it's structured the same way the sort of generation. There's a GitHub action that exports your Docker source site into a PDF. Uh, so if you wanted to turn your docs into like a book, uh, you could pretty easily. Oh, that's so smart! I would love that. It would be cool if you have like a book version, a like service worker PWA version you could install. Oh yeah, yeah. I remember at Codecademy we made like a PWA version of the Codecademy site, which is a little silly because you need an online service to execute a lot of the environments. But it's still really nice at the very least for performance just to not have to load pages when you load pages. Anyway, my second pick is Notion and Obsidian. Um, I use Notion personally. People keep telling me to use Obsidian, and I will eventually. But yeah, Notion, it's like Google Sheets and Docs slash Word Web and Excel Web and whatever had kind of like a markdown newer version come out. So you can make documents, and then each document can have just regular text, bold emojis, little callouts and quotes. But then you can also embed tables with sorting and filtering and formula equations. And I do everything in Notion now. Like I plan my vacations. We're moving to Philadelphia soon. Like my moving schedule is like a formula sheet on Notion based off of where different items are in the, the move in the original house. Very exciting stuff. And then Obsidian is like that. I think it's it's either open source or like more self-hosted based. I forget exactly. Yeah. Okay, there you go. You've you've used these things before. Yeah, I've used it from somebody else at Netlify. Is a big fan and did like a whole uh, learn with Jason about it, mm. and that's where I learned of how it works. Uh, I actually started using it, but 
Anyway, I was going to recommend my other thing, but we'll I'll save that for a future pick. Uh, I use a, a similar tool, but it's just quite different. Oh, similar but quite different. I'm excited to learn this in the future. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a it's a. Anyway, we'll we'll just add another pick. Why not? Uh, Stashpad. Stashpad is um. So I started using the whole notion, and then because I, I for the show notes for anybody who's ever been here on this podcast knows I use paper docs uh, out of inertia. Just you started using it like eight years ago. Just kept doing it. But for like any sort of engineering, trying to keep historical record of like how I approached a problem or my to-do list and my one-on-ones with my t- my coworkers and stuff like that, I put it into a stash pad, uh, just like Git Stash, very similar. That's my new tool. But I didn't want to. I didn't want to supersede your uh, your, your Notion <laughs> pick because I also a big fan of Notion as well. It's a it's a it's a rabbit hole you can get into, like linking stuff together. Talking about primitives, in 10 years, this will have been a solved problem with two or three major main players. But for now, this is wonderful. These are all different and beautiful. Their landing page has deep sea creatures on it. This is awesome. Thank you for the pick. Excellent. Well, with that, those are our picks. Josh, thanks so much for like, catching me up with the world of TypeScript. I'm actually going to pick up your book, to be quite honest. I, I love having you know hard copies. Actually, I have a bunch of Manning and O'Reilly books like, right behind me. Um, so yeah, I just love I love having the the book laying on the couch, scrolling through ideas. Maybe maybe pulling a, a laptop next to it, but yeah, gonna definitely check out the book. Uh, remind me the the book's Learning TypeScript. Yes, and it's learningtypescript.com with or without a hyphen. Perfect. Well, with that, uh, gonna check that out. And listeners, keep spreading the jam. That's all we have time for today. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, or if you'd like to suggest a topic, find us on Twitter at Jamstack Radio. This show is brought to you by Heavybit, the leading investor and developer for startups. To learn more about Heavybit, visit heavybit.com.